woke up quick at about noon. Loved ones, what is good? Welcome into the Thursday, May 28th edition podcast. Amy Barling presented by Vibe Health Bar, where you can get their superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and organic cold-pressed juices in three different locations. East Sacramento Oak Park in Folsom. You can also get them through your favorite delivery app, whether that's Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub, whatever it may be. I thank you so very much for tuning in. I thank you for your support of the podcast. Let's start with something that doesn't involve the pandemic and a sports league returning to play. Though, we are going to have to get to that here in just a heartbeat. Let's start off with some NBA stuff. The New York Knicks have started a list of candidates to fill their vacant head coaching job. The New York Knicks, I completely forgot, have a coaching vacancy. Of course, I feel like I have forgotten everything that has to do with this NBA season. Um, Apparently, according to The Athletic and Shams Karana, Minnesota Timberwolves, former Minnesota Timberwolves head coach, president of basketball operations, Tom Thibodeau is at the top of that list. Uh, Thibs, if you will. Uh, He's So the interesting thing about this as is Thibs going to also be the president of basketball operations? Cause I know that they have one. They just don't want him. Like they hired Scott Perry. They love Scott Perry. They wanted Scott Perry. Suddenly they don't want him anymore. And that is just glaringly obvious. And I feel bad for Scott Perry because I think he's good at his job. I just think he took a job that you can't succeed at similar uh, circumstances with David Fisdale. And it's going to be the case with Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, it's, it, let me rephrase that. It's going to be the case for whoever takes this job with the New York Knicks because the New York Knicks are a terrible run organization. James Dolan is an idiot. He's the worst owner, owner in all the sports. This is going to go poorly, and I know Thibs wants back in. I get that. And there's only 30 jobs. I get that too. Oh, but this is a tough one. Man, taking that New York Knicks job is tough. Of course, you take it. You get guaranteed, I don't know, $5 million times three. You get guaranteed maybe 15 to $20 million. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it, and if you fire me after a year, psh, what the hell? Even if I stink the joint up, psh, what the hell? Not that these guys are yearning for money. They want to get back into the game. Guys like Tom Thibodeau, they want to get back into the game. They want to be successful. I don't know that Tibbs' style translates into 2020 basketball. He's a very hard-nosed coach. He likes to practice a lot. Like, that was the... I was like, I'll never forget this. I know I've referenced it before. I've referenced it in the past when talking about Tom Thibodeau and his time with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I remember we were talking to... Is it Alan Horton, who's the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves? I, I, we, were, I, we were talking to somebody associated with the organization, and I remember... We were maybe 16, 17 games into the season gearing up for a Wolves-Kings matchup. And there were already complaints about how Tibbs was practicing them. There was already complaints 17 games into the season. And it may not have been exactly 17, but it was less than 20. I mean, we were talking in the teens. They had played a number of games that was in the teens. And there were already massive complaints about how Tibbs was overworking the players and how this wasn't going to last. This, I think, was the Jimmy Butler year. Oh, there was talks. Oh, this is, oh they're not going to make it. This is going to be bad. This is going to end bad. This is going to be ugly. And I don't, you know, I, I can't, I haven't been familiarized myself enough with the New York Knicks roster. I don't know that there's a, a you know, a player with the with that da- dynamic in the field that, that, that Jimmy Butler had or, you know, that has a strong enough presence like Carl Anthony Towns had. I don't think they have that veteran presence, at least not of that magnitude of a player on their roster. But Tibbs seems to be the guy that the New York Knicks are targeting. And for some reason, I don't know why, uh, it made me think of it made me think of Dave Yeager. Is Dave Yeager gonna get another coaching job? Because Dave Yeager was a 500 coach. Dave Yeager was above 500 as a head coach. I think Dave Yeager was well above 500 as a head coach before he took the Sacramento Kings job. 
now he's gone back down to a 500 below 500 coach. But before, like, I, th- I think there was a belief that Dave Yeager was a, it was kind of a young coaching prospect in, in the NBA. And ever since his retirement, other than, or retirement, sorry, other than, uh, or ever since his dismissal in Sacramento, other than a few appearances on ESPN, I think maybe around draft time or so, playoff time, yeah, mostly quiet. Is Dave Yeager's career as a head coach over? I mean, I don't know. We've got, you know, uh, you know, Thibodeau's obviously out there, eager to get back into the game. Ty Lue is still out there. I think Ty Lue is being positioned maybe as a, is it the Brooklyn Nets coach? I mean, it's, there, there's, there's a lot of shuffling. So it goes back to something we were talking about a couple of days ago. When we were talking about how the NBA better, like when, when they make an announcement, they better lay out a whole bunch of stuff and they better lay it out quickly. Because it's not just, okay, we're returning to play. Okay, it's not just, all right, 20 teams are coming back. It's, okay, 20 teams, here's the last day of the season. Here's the day of the lottery. Here's the day of the draft. Here's the start of NBA free agency. Like, think about it. We're approaching June 1st. Think about what we'd be talking about right now. June 1st, we would be gearing up. We'd be gearing up for the NBA Finals right now. June 1st, the draft lottery would have passed. We'd be talking about the NBA Finals. We'd be getting ready for the NBA Draft. We'd start overanalyzing every single player that may or may not be on the Sacramento Kings big board. We would be fussing and complaining how one group wants this guy and the other group wants this guy. And then free agents would be here and we'd get all sorts of weird questions about, hey, could the Kings sign LeBron James? Could the Kings make a move for Anthony Davis? You'd get all of those dumb questions. Then you'd have some more realistic ones like, hey, could the Kings make a move for dot, dot, dot. Hey, what would it take for the Kings to sign dot, 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 dot. That's what we should be doing right now. But COVID-19 had other thoughts and... Right now, we're just wondering if the NBA is going to come back. It feels like the NBA is going to come back. Hell, we've gotten to the point of the discussion where the NBA is now having conversations with the Players Association about allowing a limited number of family members to join the players for the season's resumption inside uh, the bubble environment in Orlando. Now, I had heard that this was a conversation that was being had, and... Woo. Boy, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough because now you've got to you how do you define like family members? Is it like immediate family members? Are we talking uh, wife and kids? What if what if what if you don't have kids, but what if you got a girlfriend? Does it have to be a living girlfriend? What if you just kind of running around doing your thing? Can it be your favorite thing you do your thing with? What about parents? Can parents be there? Brothers? What about a brother like slash manager uh, slash uh, record label owner? Like, could that guy be there? What about, uh, is it LRMR, LeBron's crew? Could they be there? Like, all four of them? I mean, can agents be there? Can Rich Paul be there? I mean, there's, 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 there's so many questions because what is the... What is the environment and what are the rules for everybody in this environment? Because I would think whatever rules apply to the players that are in the bubble, I would think they'd also have to apply to families that are in the bubble. And conversely, I think they would also have to apply to trainers, doctors, assistant development coaches. Like, I mean, they would, point being, they would have to... The rules, whatever the rules may be of this bubble environment that the NBA is creating, the rules would have to apply to everybody that is in it. So are, whether it's mom and dad or whether it's, uh, you know, the wife or the kids, like, are they all in this quarantine environment? Are they quarantining like this entire portion of Orlando, like the, the Disney World Resort area, like nobody is getting in? with the exception of those associated with 
the NBA. Also, I asked this, and and I'm being, I'm, I swear to you, I'm not trying to be a smartass. How do you divvy out the hotels? Because at the Walt Disney World Resort, there's like the, you know, there are the super pricey hotels. You know, there are the the A1 hotels, which is what every NBA team stays in when they're on the road. They stay at the A1 hotel. All right, but within the Walt Disney World Resort, there's only a couple of those. So who gets them? Is it based on seating? Like, do, Is that what you get as a number one seed? Like, you don't get home court advantage, but you get the nicest hotel. So the Lakers and the Bucks, they get the nicest hotel. And if they're doing this 20-team add-on, then the, you know, the four squads at the bottom of the Western Conference, they get, they get you know, the Motel 6 or whatever the, the equivalent of the, the, the low-grade hotel is. And again, I, I know I'm making a smart-ass joke out of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to be a smart-ass with this. I am being serious. How, you, how do you determine who gets the nicest hotel? Because there aren't 20 A1 hotels available. And is it just one team per hotel? Are there 20 hotels in the Disney World Resort? I know there are a lot of hotels in that area, but if like the way I'm thinking about the Disney World Resort, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about thinking about this, you know, encompassed area that's the you know uh, 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 off the freeway. I've only had one experience at uh at Disney World. And I know you can like get around everywhere by a monorail. Like is that is that it? Is that what we're talking about? Or are we expanding further out into Orlando? Because if we're expanding further out into Orlando, that's not the bubble. Where does the bubble start? So many questions. So little answers. I guess the first question we should get, boy, this group play thing, this this 20, this this 16 plus 4. I don't know that it, I don't know if gathering momentum is the right term, but it sure feels like it was talked about yesterday. Uh, Dame Lillard has already backtracked off of his comments that we brought attention to yesterday a little bit. Dame Lillard said, and I quote, I mean, I felt like the way the story was written, it was taken out of context because it was just a casual conversation and it was like explicit this, explicit that, but it wasn't a demonstrative statement. I was just saying, we've been off for two months. If we come back, we want to play for something. So after this type of break, usually when you come back, especially with how fast we're going to be jumping in and playing, I think guys are at a risk for injury. Also at a risk of being exposed to whatever, because none of us, uh, have been around each other if so many teams are going to be in one spot. Obviously, as players, we want to play, but we want to play for something, uh, especially if we're in a position to play for that in the first place. Okay. Um, well, that's certainly, that that reads a whole lot different than the quote that we read you yesterday where Dame Lillard was talking about, well, I, if... You know, if we're not going to, if we don't have a real opportunity to make the playoffs, I don't want to play. I'm going to go, but I'm not going to participate. That's the part where he really lost me. If he just said, I'm going to stay at home and I'm not going to expose myself to any potential risks of this virus, and I'm not going to expose my kids and my family and that whole deal, then then that I would completely understand because I do think there are going to be players and perhaps coaches as well who say, I'm not down for this. Uh, I'm not going to show up and do this, which is interesting. And I'm not going to, I can't fault anybody. Uh, regardless of if we're talking about like a superstar player or if we're talking about, you know, player number 15 on the team. Like I can't fault them for that. If we're talking about a head coach or the or the fourth or fifth assistant. Like I can't fault anybody who doesn't want to be a part of this. The thing that I think people have got to be careful of if they, you know, turn away from this is the fact that I think just my assumption on, under, you know, trying to have a like grasp on what's going on in the world is this is how next season is going to be played. I think next season is going to be played in a bubble. Now, not a one bubble like Orlando only. I think, you know, how we had heard rumblings of potential Orlando bubble, Houston bubble, Las Vegas bubble. I think we might actually have that for next season. We might have teams located in Las Vegas, Houston, maybe one other spot along with Orlando. And that's how we're going to have to get through next season. 
maybe it's how that's how we're going to get through a portion of next season. But really, I think they're going to start the season. They're excuse me, they're going to finish the season how they started. So whatever they decide they're going to do to start next season, I think that's how they're going to end it. And so I think we're talking about a potential entire 82 game season uh, inside a variety of bubbles. But this group placing, this this 16 plus four, again, I don't know that it's gained momentum. Dame Lillard, I gave you that quote right there, but really what Dame Lillard was talking about was a potential play-in tournament where teams on the outside of the playoff picture would have an opportunity to get in. And, of course, now there's this 20-team group play thing that's being talked about where, and we don't actually know what's being talked about. There's an NBA conference call tomorrow. And remember Adam Silver said we expect to, you know, I we don't expect to make an announcement before June 1st. Well, Guess what's coming up June 1st? Guess what's happening tomorrow? There's a conference call with the NBA and the Board of Governors, with the league office and the Board of Governors. So all of the governors are going to be on the phone, and they're going to be having a conversation about, okay, what did you guys think? What feedback did you get from your general manager? What do you think about Orlando? What do you think about a 16-team and just going right into the playoffs? What do you think about 20-team group play? What do you think about all 30 teams coming back? Which, I, I want to bring up the question again. If 30 teams show up, where are you putting all of them? I'm of the mindset, don't change anything. And I, and I feel like I'm a broken record at this point, so I'm not going to launch into this dry tribe again. I'm just going to say, I know Kings fans like the idea of a potentially you know getting in and, and, and having meaningful basketball games. Obviously, Dame Lillard's excited about that. The Pelicans will be excited about that. The San Antonio Spurs will be excited about that. Oh, by the way, and how about a double Stone Cold Steve Austin middle finger and a big FU to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies who exceeded virtually, not virtually, the Memphis Grizzlies who exceeded everybody's expectation and had a 65-game sample size, had a 32-33 and record, a three-and-a-half game lead with... Uh, about seven to depending on the team, 17, 18 games left in the season, three and a half game lead are for that eight spot in the Western conference, a team that, you know, they're ahead of schedule. We often talk about, we put these teams on schedules about when we expect them to be good. I didn't expect the Memphis Grizzlies to be good this year. If you had told me that the Memphis Grizzlies were 32 and 33, 65 games into the season next year, I absolutely would have believed you. If you had told me before this year started that they would have had that same record 65 games into the season this year, I'd have been like, I don't think so. Of course, I was wrong about the Dallas Mavericks. I was wrong about the Memphis Grizzlies. It appears I was wrong about a whole lot in this current, on pause, NBA season. But how about a big middle finger to the Memphis Grizzlies who would earn this spot, and now it's like, ah, you know, we really like Dame Lillard. We really like Greg Popovich. Zion Williamson is right there. We don't really care about the Sacramento Kings, but no, put the Aaron Fox there on the main stage. We, truthfully, we just we, we don't really give a crap about that team. But we got Dame Lillard, and we got Greg Popovich, and we got Zion Williamson. Oh man, how can we get those three teams into the playoffs? Well, we can't get them in and leave Sacramento out. So okay, put Sacramento in in the mix because you know by our rationale they've earned it, and let's just do. The 16 plus the four next best records, and those just all happen to be Western Conference teams. So screw you, Memphis, and everything that you attempted to accomplish through 65 games in the season. I'm of the belief that 65 games is enough sample size. The Blazers, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Pelicans, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. Let the 16 teams play, and let's get this going. Now, ultimately, that might be what happened. But let's go back to... This doesn't fit, by the way. This doesn't fit in with uh, Mark Cuban and what he was talking about the other day where he was talking about the financial ramifications of local television deals. 20 is not 30. So there are 10 teams left in the dust when it comes to local television deals. And if if these are play-in games, they, they are of nature playoff games, which means they probably go to ESPN and TNT, which again, going back to Mark Cuban's remarks, they have no impact on local television, on local television deals. So what's the point of doing anything other than 16 or 30? 
I don't like this notion that somehow the Blazers or the Kings or the Pelicans or the Spurs would be wronged if the season came to an end. Sucks? Sure. Wronged? No. 65 games is a good sample size. You couldn't accumulate a 500 record 65 games in? Well, who has the closest to a 500 record? The Grizzlies do. The 32 and 33. Well, they're in the eighth spot. They get to go to the playoffs. They're one of the six. How many times have we uttered the phrase, whether it's during football season, baseball season, whether it's during basketball season, or if you actually talk about hockey in your free time? How many times have we uttered the phrase, well, if the playoffs started today? Okay. (laughs) Well, now we have a chance to implement it. We've been uttering that dumbass phrase for so long with absolutely no consequence and no meaning that now, for the very first time in our history as sports fans, we can utter that phrase. Well, if the playoffs started today, it would actually mean something. First time ever. But we do it like, oh, the Kings are in the eighth spot. You know, if the playoffs started today. Huh? Look at the matchups we'd have. It wouldn't be, well, you know, if the playoffs started today, we would add these 16 teams. We would add these four crappy teams to the to the 16 team roster. We'd get the Wizards in here like, no, nobody does that. That's that that's never happened before. But you as a sports fan have almost certainly said, tweeted or thought if the playoffs started today guess what mother sucker they do okay we've got our 16 teams let's play basketball let's not overcomplicate this again i don't know that the nba is overcomplicating it but i know that the stories are out there the stories regarding you know like the general manager survey felt like that uh that that shams leaked earlier in the week it felt okay What are we talking about? This feels overly complicated. Mark Cuban has a point about the financial windfall for for, uh, local television deals. But that's not addressed with the 20 game, uh, excuse me, with the 20 team group plan or plan or anything like that. It's only addressed if all 30 teams return to play. And now what you have to do you can't find a way to incentivize. And that's, that's, that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? We're talking about incentivizing the Hawks, the Cavs, the Warriors, uh, you know, the Timberwolves, maybe the Suns. We're talking about incentivizing these teams who don't have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. And may, maybe Phoenix still mathematically does. I don't know. Maybe really what we're talking about here is we're talking about the Warriors and the Hawks and the Cavaliers and some of those other bottom feeders on the Eastern Conference. We're talking about them. Like, how do we make it worthwhile for them to come back? And I guess I just think differently because I look at, I'm looking at the world in its totality and I'm not in these guys' position. And I understand the injury aspect of all of this. I understand the risk that they are putting themselves at as it pertains to this but I also understand that they have highly paid jobs in which jobs right now are at a premium you know what I mean there's 40 damn near million people unemployed right now but you've got an NBA job and you've got the ability to just like hey can you come back and can you give us 10 games we're putting you in a unique situation We don't know exactly what your exposure to this virus is going to be by appearing at these games and by living in this bubble. Uh, But we do know uh, it's probably going to be at significantly greater risk than it would be if you were sitting at home. But we're asking to come back and we're asking you to play 10 games. If Dame Lillard's explanation of, well, what am I going to come back and play 10 games for when I need 13 to make the playoffs? Well, you should have thought of that before you sucked. You should have played better when your uh, uh, teammates were injured. You know what I mean? Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we don't want to do it. We don't want to come back and play. Again, I, I, I mean, come back and play 10 minutes a game. Run your G League squad out there. Hell, is the G League even going to exist next year? 
not being, not trying to be a dick, not trying to be funny, not trying to be anything. Genuinely asking, if we're looking at a situation where the NBA is playing in multiple bubbles for the entire 82-game season, what do you do with the G League? What do you do with all of these college players, or excuse me, all of these high school players who signed up to be a part of the G League? There are so many unanswered questions. Damn, this is just morphing into a scary podcast. The, the future is so uncertain. It is terribly, terribly uncertain. Let's throw more questions out there. What's the future of local sports media? If, because like, is media going to be invited into the bubble? Because I'm going to go out on a limb and say players and coaches aren't going to want them there. Maybe there's a situation where, much like at the Olympics, uh, the media at the Olympics have their own hotel. Like there's... The, the way the Olympics have kind of been laid out since 1992 is there's the USA Basketball Hotel and everybody associated with UA ba- USA Basketball, all the shoe companies, they're in a hotel. Then you have the Olympic Village. Then you have a media hotel. Those are the three main areas that you know when you're involved in the Olympics. The Village, USA Basketball, and the Media Hotel. The Final Four. I've been to a number of Final Fours. There's a media hotel. Super Bowl, same thing. There's a media hotel. Does the bubble have a media hotel? And if they do, what does the media do? Do you go to practice but maintain your distance? Is it the the thing that we were seeing at the end of uh, the regular season where there's like 10 feet between players and and media? But the media, they're all grouped up together. You know, they're in the scrum. Or are they? Is there media scrums anymore? 916-888-5898. Would it be insane to think the world as we knew it, the afternoon of March 11th, is never going to be the same again? Is that completely out of line? Is that super... Uh, is that, is that like, you know, hyperbole at its finest or is it legitimate to think everything that we knew four months ago is gone? Like our entire existence is like our day-to-day lives, our day-to-day consumption of sports, our day-to-day consumption of sports media. It's all going to be different moving forward. I don't think that's out of line. I've heard from people that I'm very close with that, um, you know, there are companies in this, in, in Sacramento, that may never operate again the way that they did before this, you know, the stay at home edict went into place on March 13th. There are companies who they started working from home before that stay at home edict went into place. They started working at home. The week before, I've heard some of those same companies say, yeah, we don't think we're ever going to go back to the day-to-day office life that we had before. We have figured out a remote style of working. And we're going to operate that way moving forward. We don't know what sports media does in this world because we haven't had sports. We don't know how guys like, obviously, Woj is hard at work. Sam Amick is hard at work. Shams is hard at work. They cover the league in its entirety. But what about my TV squad? What about Marshall Harris? What about Sarah Hodges? What about Sean Cunningham and Lena Washington? What about them? What about the people who cover sports here locally? What about the people who have established relationships with players on the Kings, with players on the San Francisco 49ers, with players on the now Las Vegas Raiders and coaches. and How does that stuff translate into this new world that we've yet to experience? We don't know what... We don't know how stuff is going to be reported once, once sports... It, just, it hasn't happened yet. So who's going to be there to ask, who, who is Luke Walton going to tell he's going to uh, go watch the tape? 
Who who's there to tell? Are media scrums now done like through Zoom? Does Luke Walton go into and I'm using Luke Walton as an example because I'm assuming a, a lot of you have seen maybe the, there's a media room downstairs where you see Luke Walton do his press conferences at the Golden One Center. Is now that room empty? And Luke is talking directly into a camera? Or are there media people spread out across that uh, media room? It's, it's certainly big enough. There's certainly not going to be any more uh, pregame scrums where, you know, under one of the tunnels at the Golden One Center, usually about an hour and some change. It varies by coaches. Uh, coaches speak to the media. Media just hoards around under a banner with the team's logo on it, lights on, and they do you know a variety of interviews, get quotes. That's gone, right? Can't do that anymore. Everything is going to be different. We have no idea what it's going to look like. But tomorrow, you know, in, in, in the NBA, you know, people were talking about all oh, this conference call that's happening on, on Friday. You know, the NBA was quick to say, ah, you're not going to... Don't expect to hear anything. Yeah, we're having our conference call, but don't expect the decision to be made. Like we take this, we kind of take a timeline. It's, and I understand it's because we're thirsty. Like we want this to end. We want sports back. We want our life back. And we take a timeline and we won with it. Like what, what was the report? Gavin Newsom said sports are back in California on June 1st. Nope. It's not what he said. He said we could have sports teams practicing again the first week of June. Those are two very different statements. But they were reported as California says sports are back. Same way it was reported in New York and Texas. All of that, all of that, that strategic attack by those three major states in one day. Like we've got all people, you know, hair salons are open, barbershops are open. Uh, uh, we've got restaurants opening. None of this stuff is happening in Massachusetts. The Celtics play there. None of this stuff is happening yet in New York. They've got two basketball teams and two football teams. The Northeast is still very much dealing with COVID-19 outbreaks. Sure, the numbers are lower, which is progress, but they're not good. The numbers being lower is a sign of progress. The numbers being lower, that's a sign of something good. But the numbers themselves still aren't good, which is why the states haven't even slowly opened back up, which is what the state of California is doing. It's weird, man. It's just when I sit down and, and talk to you, I get all of these questions that pop into my head as we're talking. And As the media guy, you're supposed to have all of the answers. Shit, I don't know anything, man. I'm just sitting here with you. I'm not even a media guy anymore. I'm at the house. I am in the Thomas player. I am in the front room of my house. And I've decorated my office to look kind of dope. Can't lie. Got some old Sports Illustrated uh, with Michael Jordan on the cover hanging on a wall. And they morph with uh, some old WWE magazines that have Hulk Hogan on the cover. I've got action figures of The Rock all over the place. I've got autographs. i got Run DMC action figures. i got a Maui uh, Funko Pop. And a Hobbs Funko Pop. And uh, what's my man from? Oh, uh, Smolder Bravestone. Dr. Bravestone. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not media. I'm just sitting here with you. And when I start talking about sports, I start asking questions. There are more questions than there are answers as it pertains to the return of any sports league. Now, the question about uh, what is probably the most decorated Hall of Fame class in history uh, when that ceremony would take place has been answered is Jerry Colangelo. Obviously, the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony is not going to happen at the end of August. It was proposed to alternative dates in October. Uh, Jerry Colangelo acknowledged yesterday that that is just not feasible. And he says, we're ca canceling the event. We're going to have to look uh, at the first quarter of next year. We're going to meet in a couple of weeks uh, and look at the options of how and when and where. They have con they have considered uh, moving uh, the enshrinement ceremony outside of uh, Springfield, Massachusetts into like a civic center that seats like 8,000 and then you could practice, you know, social dis distancing but still have the ceremony. Uh, they decided to, you know, not do that and they just want to see kind of where the world is at 
um, in the spring of 2021. Of course, this is the Hall of Fame class that features Tim Duncan, uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, features Tamika Catchings, uh, and of course, it features the late Kobe Bryant. I read, I don't remember if it was a tweet or an Instagram post, but it says the world hasn't been the same since Kobe Bryant passed away. And for the love of God, if true words had never been spoken. Kobe passed away, was it at the end of February? End of January. And we mourned for like a month. And that got us to March. We got through that ceremony. And then March came along. And then the the conversation about this outbreak picked up. And middle of March, it just like our world as we knew it ended. Can you believe we're approaching June, man? Like we're knocking on the door of June 1st. And many of us, not all of us, I know a lot of you are hard at work. You text me daily and share that with me. And I appreciate that. Some have been laid off. Some have been furloughed. Some have been completely unimpacted. Some are working from home. Everybody's patterns are different. Everybody's, I, I, I know, you know, you know, my biggest connection to that is watching, uh, there was a very formulaic response to podcast. I knew if I posted them at a certain time, I knew what the numbers would look like, uh, by 12 o'clock. I knew what they would look like by three o'clock. And I knew that what they would look like by six o'clock. Now I don't know what the hell these numbers will look like. I post the podcast every single day and just hopes that you'll listen. Because I used to know we've got it, we've got a rhythm here. This is going to be a big week. This is going to be a huge week uh, for the podcast. Vibe is going to be thrilled. Sky Naturals is going to be thrilled. Game for everybody is going to be thrilled because of the amount of ears on this podcast. And now it's more like, man, dear God, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to record this podcast and I'm going to post it and I'm going to just pray to God people are out there and they're in a position to listen. And like I was just thought, man, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to stop doing the podcast. I'm going to keep doing it even through this pandemic. Just sit here and talk to my sit here and talk to myself about whatever comes to mind. Mike Tyson was on AEW last night. The revival appeared on AEW last night. I'll talk about wrestling for an hour. We'll do something because I thought, man, we could be a distraction. And then I realized, well, if you're gonna have a sports-centric podcast, you're really gonna have to cover the pandemic because everything is about the return to sports. Everything is about the, the impact that this virus has had on our world. And that's what the sports world is. It's our world. Uh, we shift gears here a little bit. There is a little bit more to talk about that doesn't involve the pandemic. Actually, some NFL news. One you know, entity that seems to have not been impacted by this at all. At least not yet. Uh, Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns were obviously a big story last year. Is everybody was riding high off the Cleveland Browns, the rookie year that Baker Mayfield had, the acquisition of Kareem Hunt. He was going to be getting going in eighth week of the season. Perhaps he could catch everybody off guard. They could get, you know, the other running backs will be wore down. Other teams will be wore down. Kareem Hunt will be fresh. They didn't plan on Nick Chubb being their big stud, and that's what wound up happening. They had all of the players. Odell Beckham Jr. was there, but it didn't work out. And Baker Mayfield had the sophomore slump, if you will. He didn't have the a follow-up to the rookie season that he would have liked, and he did, to what is the best of my knowledge, his first interview this offseason with reporters. He did a video call uh, with reporters, and he said, it's just time to work. Do our thing instead of talking about it. This is the first media thing I've done. Well, that answers our question, idiot. This is the first media thing that I've done just because there's no need to be talking about it. It's just time to go do it. And that flies in stark contrast to what he was his rookie year and sophomore year. He was very vocal. Uh, he had weird. He had a really weird run in with Richard Sherman that I'm not sure. I'm still not sure what what Rich was talking about about you know not shaking hands. But the video shows that he did shake hands. I, I don't really know what that was all about. Of course, he was one of many people to have run ins with uh, Antonio Brown. Rex Ryan basically got a paycheck for trashing Baker Mayfield uh, on a weekly basis uh, across the ESPN network. And, you know, his his talk was imagining his play. He was talking a big game, but he was playing 
not so big. And he says right now it's it's moving in silence, which is fine with me. I like this. I like quiet Baker Mayfield. I like vocal Baker Mayfield too. I just don't want him to fail. And you know, the louder you are, oh, the greater that failure is. Because if he's a if he, like think about it, Daniel Jones, quiet, right? Quiet guy. Like if he if he falls apart in this upcoming season. They're going to chalk that up to, oh, maybe we were right about Jenna Jones. Maybe he's not that good. Uh, maybe this is just his sophomore slump. Maybe the Giants needed to do more to surround him. But he's a quiet guy. No one's going to rip him apart. But the louder you are, the easier you are to tear down. Now, the media loves it when you're loud and boisterous and you're good. Like Baker, his rookie year. They love that. Oh, Baker got that swagger. He's got that attitude. But then suddenly Baker still had the swagger. And he still had the attitude, but he wasn't playing as well. So now he was a distraction. And now he was a problem. And that's how quickly the media turns on you. That's how quickly these narratives shift. Speaking of the Browns, uh, I think it was a Yahoo report. They said that uh, the Cleveland Browns had offered uh, Jadeveon Clowney. Jadeveon Clowney is a free agent. He had a good, pretty good run with Seattle. Um, obviously, you know, did what he did with Houston and uh, he was expected to get some pretty large offers in in the market, and I don't I don't know how much the, you know the 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 virus has impacted you know his decision making. I don't know how much the virus has impacted you know his entire process. But uh, according to this report from Yahoo, uh, he's gotten he's got a pretty rich offer from the Cleveland Browns, but he hasn't signed it yet. He's not sure that uh, he wants to. He's not sure that he's going to. He's in no hurry to, according to the Yahoo report. I like Jadeveon Clowney. I'm not as down as uh, on him as many others are. I thought he got into a nice little groove after a couple of games with Seattle. Um, I do think, I think it was pretty insane to draft him number one overall because most people can only remember one thing that Jadeveon Clowney did in college. But I also don't like the Texans, so I could perhaps blame some of what went wrong with Jadeveon Clowney on them. But I'd like to see him end up in a place that has a strong defensive unit where he can make an impact. Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett? I'll take it. Hell yeah. Uh, Mike McCarthy says, Alden Smith. You remember Alden Smith, don't you? He looks to be in incredible shape. Cool story, bro. You know that Colin Kaepernick has played more recently in the NFL than Alden Smith did. The end. I, that was it. Uh, Mike McCarthy also, uh, he he's he's getting to learn his team through virtual meetings, and he's uh, you meeting with different. He's meeting with everybody, except his quarterback, who doesn't have a deal yet. Who does have a deal is Dwayne Haskins. Apparently, Dwayne Haskins is impressing uh, his new coaches through their virtual meetings. All right. I like this. Why do I like this? Well, because I said Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in that draft, and that proclamation has crapped all over me ever since. So I'm going to need old Ronnie Rivera to fix this. I'm going to need Ronnie Rivera to fix Dwayne Haskins, and I'm going to need Ronnie Rivera to make Dwayne Haskins the quarterback that he was under Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Because Dwayne Haskins is a capable quarterback a very, very capable quarterback. And I still believe he was the best quarterback in that draft. He just hasn't shown it yet. He's going to show it this year. I hope. I think. Probably. Hopefully. But I like that. I liked reading that because it, it wasn't clear exactly what Washington was going to do uh, this offseason in terms of that quarterback position. So I like that things are going well with Dwayne Haskins so far. Uh, Phil Mickelson told the Los Angeles Times in a column yesterday that he would love to make the match an annual event. He says, and I quote, I think he could showcase guys like Steph Curry and Michael Jordan or Tony Romo and Patrick Mahomes, who are all good golfers, elite talents, and have great personalities I co-sign this because I can't wait to see who pisses off Michael Jordan and he looks at the camera and goes, I took this personal. 
I'm all for this. He says, or you could have someone who loves the game and is competitive, but is really entertaining, like Larry David and Bill Murray. I think that could shine. I think he's right. Sunday's telecast of the match uh, attracted 5.8 million viewers. Speaking of ratings, speaking of ratings, the first episode of the Lance Armstrong deal flopped. It was a massive disaster, and I'm here for it. Earmuffs, kids. No one gave a shit what Lance Armstrong had to say, and that pleases me to the utmost nature. Because I know, I told you, I turned it on, and it couldn't have been more than 10 seconds later. I said, no, I'm not watching this idiot. Absolutely not watching him. And apparently, everybody thought the same thing. That brought me so much joy. That wasn't the point of what I was saying. The point of what I was saying is that Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods are absolutely on to something with this match. And the idea of making it an annual event with the two having a variety of partners, I love. I think Steph Curry is a, a, is a great fit. I think Steph Curry is a great talker. Uh, Tony Romo can be fun. We already know that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I love it. Let's do this. Let's 100% do this. Good job by Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods also, and, and whoever is involved, whoever in their you know circles is, was involved in putting this match together because it was a huge step up over what they did last year, and to add Peyton Manning and Tom Brady to it, just flawless. Absolutely brilliant television. Well done. Well done to all of them. Uh, let me go ahead and hit this theme music right here because Be Conscious made a return yesterday over on patreon.com slash Damian Barling. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, check your feed. It is there for you now. Uh, I Be Conscious is a tough podcast for me, man. I was actually telling someone yesterday, and I hope you understand what I say when I mean this, or I hope you understand what I mean when I say this. I hate that podcast. Be Conscious is far and away the most popular podcast I've ever done. And it stretches, you know, outside of the realm of our, uh, you know, the, the, you wonderful people who have been so kind to, you know, follow me on the radio and then follow me over here to the podcast. This is one that was picked up because of the variety of guests that we had on. Uh, and it was picked up by their circles. And, you know, they listened to it and they listened to it after I had their guest on. And it did really well. And I used to talk about how it was so difficult to do every week because you have to put yourself in a frame of mind and you know, I started this latest episode of Be Conscious, which is only available on Patreon, by the way. It's not gonna, it's not on Apple Podcasts. It's not on Radio.com. you got to become a subscriber on Patreon. So go to Patreon.com slash Damian Barling. And if that's too much to remember, go to DamianBarling.com and click the Patreon button and join us over there. It's a huge help to us here uh, on the podcast. You know, I greatly appreciate it. And there's tons of bonus content. You can read through all of the different tiers. But as I, I, I knew I had put off this podcast for a long time, and I put it off because it's so difficult to get in the state of mind of doing that podcast. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, like over dramatic. I'm not trying to be like a massive drama queen here. But when you're starting to talk about topics like Ahmaud Aubrey and you're starting to talk about topics like George Floyd, those are tough things to talk about. And I just made the decision, you know, not being at CBS and not being at Bonneville or Intercom or with, with, with anyone. I don't have to keep my, I had to, while, while I was never checked for what was on, you know, the original seasons of Be Conscious, I was always mindful of, you know, we're CBS at one point and then we were bought out by Bonneville and that's a church and it's like, okay, I need to. Be aware of what I'm doing here because I'm already pushing the skirts of stuff that they... I'm already pushing the limits. I'm just skirting the edge of stuff that they would like me to do. So I need to be mindful of that. I don't need to be mindful of that anymore. And I had gotten myself in this state of mind yesterday at like... I finished yesterday's podcast, went for a walk, and as I was walking, I could feel... I got angrier and angrier the longer I walked. And by the time I got home, I just walked right into the room, sat down, and hit record. And you, when you discuss topics like that, you, you just get into this frustrating state of mind. And it's a really hard podcast to do. Um, 
And it's why I'm only doing it once a month or, or it, you know, at the most I'm going to do it twice a month, but I can't commit to doing it every week. Cause I can't commit putting myself in that frame of mind every week. And when I announced that it was coming back, my original idea was to talk about how there's like this racial divide, divide on over how to handle the, 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 the stay at home edict across these States. And dude, that was like, that was before central park. Karen introduced herself uh, into our lives. That was before George Floyd was murdered. The things that started be conscious almost two years ago is the same shit that I was talking about yesterday. It's just lather, rinse, repeat. It's just a different day. Remember barbecue patty? Now we've got Central Park Karen. It's just a different black man's name that was murdered by a police officer this time. That's all that's different is the name. It wasn't lost on me when I sat down to record that thinking, okay, this is the new version to be conscious. We're back. And it's like, oh, look at that. We're talking about the same stuff. The exact same things. I know not everybody is a fan of that podcast. But if you are, it is available for you on patreon.com slash Damien Barling. And thank you for being a fan of this podcast. Uh, There's a funny review on Apple Podcasts. I don't think I, I don't know that I'd be able to pull it up here quick enough. I'll, I'll, I'll try to without just boring everybody to sleep. But the title of the review is like race. Oh, here it is. Yeah, it was easy. Race and sports question mark. I listened to you to escape politics. Why go there? That review was left on January 8, 2020. Fam, you listen to me to escape politics? Bruh. Man, I don't know how you found me, brother, but God bless you, man. Thank you. Sorry to disappoint. Uh, But if you dig that podcast, it is available for you. Also, the uh, episode three, which I think is the definitive episode so far of the Soon to Launch Relive podcast, that is available early uh, for Patreon subscribers right now over at patreon.com slash Damien Barling. I know I'm plugging that website a lot. You just got to forgive me. It's part of the business model now, so just bear with me. Patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Uh, thank you for the love. Thank you for listening today. Uh, be safe. Wear those masks. Wear those gloves. Social distance. Do all of that good stuff, and we will see you here uh, tomorrow on the podcast with Damien Barling.